It is the 200 level, episode 326, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Tuesday evening as Illinois gets the win against Minnesota last night. It was a game that I don't know how many Illini fans were super excited for, but it is nice to just get back in the win column after another missed opportunity on Saturday. And I want to start with that, the Indiana game which I had a lot of fun reacting to until we lost, and I did get a little bit fired up, and I might have said a thing or two about Miller Cop. I don't know if I do or do not feel bad about that. But regardless, Saturday was fun until the end result. And what I try to take away from it, and what I woke up feeling on Sunday, was ultimately more positives than negatives. I think that this team in the last two games has shown a little bit more urgency I think that they have shown more of a concerted 40-minute effort. I think they've cleaned a few things up, and they are by no means a perfect team. I mean, that goes without saying. I think that all the excitement of those two early non-conference wins has waned when you've seen that there haven't been a whole lot of quality wins since. However, the eye test, while very frustrating at times, still gives you just enough tantalizing moments where you think in March, depending on the matchup, maybe there's something here. And I'm going to hold on to that, even though I'm still pretty skeptical that this team is capable of making a run just because we haven't seen the sustained momentum. But if there is an opportunity to feel some momentum, it has to start now. I mean, it has to. I was hoping the Indiana game would be the start of that. I guess the Minnesota game will have to suffice. But they need to beat Northwestern on Thursday. And they need to beat Ohio State on Sunday. And then next Thursday, they need to beat Michigan. Purdue, see what happens. Of course, we don't expect anything, and I don't think you should. It's Mackey Arena. It's next to impossible to win there. It's tougher to win there than it is at Indiana. But the next three, you got to win. <clears throat> anything short of that, I think you not only question, you know, what the hell is this thing? But I think you really temper whatever enthusiasm you might have for March, which we can sit here and and every year that we make the tournament say, oh, well, this team, depending on the matchups. But I think that we have very quickly settled on this narrative with this team that they somehow are superior talent-wise and therefore they're more likely than some other teams in their of their ilk to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Earlier this year, I thought that was the case. I thought that this team was just supremely talented enough to do that. Um, that they have some individual talent that, again, tantalizing is the word I've used, but they just don't put it together a whole lot, at least not enough to make you think that they can really make a deep run. But as we've said before, what a success. Making the Sweet 16, that's it. Everything else really doesn't matter. And there's a few good comments that I'm going to get to later. Kind of opened up the Twitter mailbag, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a few good comments that kind of allude to that. That really, uh, going in the NCAA tournament this year, there's going to be a hell of a lot less pressure. And I've often been one that has harped on this idea of fan pressure. Where, you know, last year I felt the weight of the world, as many of us did, the weight of the world on our shoulders and it kind of affected our enjoyment, I think, of a Big Ten title. At least it did mine. And then we won it and it was equal parts relief and triumph. There's no such thing this year. And it was kind of nice last night against Minnesota, albeit a very bad Minnesota team, to just settle in on a Monday night and watch a basketball game and not get too high or too low. I felt that way for much of the Indiana game too. And I think part of that is the the style with which they played the last two games a lot of energy, a lot. And I think there is, there are reasons to be maybe a little bit more optimistic, 
but how much, I guess we'll get into that. Real quick, before we get to the sponsors, we need to talk about the story last night. If there is a feel-good story, and this has been the narrative that since last night has been all over Twitter and, and the fan boards today, it's RJ. There was a moment in the Indiana game where he airballed that three. Wide open three. He paused. He waited. He could not believe how open he was. And he airballed it. And the chat feed here as we were broadcasting, and and my own reaction was just, oh, painful. Painful. Can't even be really angry at the kid because he's just so far into this slump that you just felt kind of depressed. Last night, the moment where he gets the rebound, goes out to the three-point line and drains the three. By all accounts, and Bobo, you could back this up in the chat feed, the loudest the crowd was all night. And truly a feel-good moment. In a season that, in the last month or so, not a whole lot of feel-good moments. I'll hold on to that as kind of the human aspect of sports. The fact that RJ is someone who struggled so mightily and he gets this moment. And sure, you can consider the opposition and all that, but I mean, he had a game last night. He really did. And I, I know it's not as easy as just saying the switch is flipped on. He could easily come out against Northwestern and put up a big zero as far as points scored. But he played his butt off, 10 boards, 10 points, worth celebrating in a year where we're trying to find things to latch on to, and we're trying to find player stories to get excited about. That at least afforded us one of those moments. More importantly, it afforded one to RJ. And by all accounts, a nice kid, right? As Bobo says, the police was going nuts after he hit that three and his first career triple, not triple double, that would have been impressive, double double. Excuse me, some water there. So for RJ, good for him. And before I get to the sponsors, I, I think there is something a little bit more macro about the way that Underwood has played this RJ thing. When Terrence Shannon went down with the concussion symptoms, and who knows if he'll be back Thursday, I will talk about Terrence Shannon in a bit. When he went out, and I saw that on Saturday morning confirmed, I thought, well, then start sincere. Because Sincere gives you that defensive pop. I love the energy at the start of the game. There was a little bit of a moment when he was in the starting lineup that I kind of liked that. Though Jaden Epps is the correct call to start for sure. <clears throat> when he started RJ, I thought, well, that's interesting. And I, I saw a lot of people respond in some sort of way like, well, I guess we're just punting this game. Not the case. I think that Indiana, you could have argued that what a silly move. And it was, I think, still to this day silly to have put RJ in there for a possible last second shot he wasn't going to make that I know he damn near did and it would have been amazing you need a Luke Goody on in there who had already made a three earlier that game <clears throat> but for this game against Minnesota at first I might have rolled my eyes and then I thought about it for a second and thought this is actually the right move you start RJ in a game like this and it worked out beautifully and I hope that it has some long-lasting implications one for RJ as a player but also for RJ as an Illini because it seemed like a pretty obvious, understandably, a pretty obvious call that he was the likely transfer candidate. And I don't know him so much anymore. If Brad Underwood put all of this time and energy into giving RJ chance after chance after chance, and it pays off, I start thinking that the only way RJ's transferring is if he's told to transfer. And I think we would have gotten that indication the way that Underwood would have maybe stopped playing him or something. No, Underwood wants him here. And I got to think RJ, after the way he's been treated in the last month from their, his coaching staff, 
why would he leave? So that is, I think, promising. If you're trying to find things to hold on to the rest of the year, one of them is, okay, do you have a core coming back next year? Is RJ a part of that? For better or worse, is he a part of that? Luke Goody and the freshman and Dane Danger. You put all those together and you feel like you have a core that you've kind of gotten to know, that you can like, that's easy to root for. And in a transitional year of sorts like we have right now, that gives me a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It eases the burden a little bit. And hopefully for us fans, we can find ways to enjoy this season, which is still going to be, barring a crazy collapse, an NCAA tournament season. And as long as they take care of business in the next three games, a season that'll have you on the six or seven line facing a two or three in the second round, if you make it that far. And what the hell? Give yourself the opportunity. See what happens. All right. Before we get too far into this, got to thank our sponsors, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you can go online to dpdoe.com and get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We'll see if Brian can't get in here for another couple second half podcasts before the season is over. And we can, uh, Karen and I can tell you from firsthand experience, he's great to work with. His staff, excellent support. You give him a call, and you get um, a media customer service. And the anecdote I've used is when I need a new car insurance card uh, or ID, we got it within three minutes. That's how quick it was. So that, that's no surprise having worked with Brian for a couple of years. That's brianismyguy.com. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And this is a pretty sick winter sale. It might not feel like winter, but you can get a Lennox Home Comfort System. And when you do, you get a choice between this, a free water heater or $500 Visa gift card. I'll say that one more time. You get a Lennox Home Comfort System. So if you're in the market for a new HVAC system, a lot of us are. We got an old house. We're going to have to get one soon. You get a free water heater or $500 Visa gift card. Wow. Uh, give them a call today at 217-841-4728 to schedule a free in-home consultation so you can take advantage of this great sale. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. My voice feeling the weight of first day back at school after a three-day weekend, a much-needed three-day weekend for staff and students alike. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. You can uh, follow Champagne Showers on Twitter at, uh, what is it, Champagne Showers, right? CU Showers, let me make sure I get that right, folks at Champagne Showers. I've never actually given their Twitter handle before. I can tell you that you can, of course, follow me at Fanboy Carp and at the 200 level. Champagne Showers, what we got here? Yes, they're 217 Showers. That's my mistake on that. Okay, I wanted to uh, talk real quick about the rest of this regular season and kind of go over... The outlook for the regular season, we'll get to the postseason, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Kind of looking ahead, when it is the Big Ten Tournament, I'll be up in Chicago that weekend. And at the moment, no plans to go to a Big Ten Tournament game. I, I gotta be honest, I'm I'm not really feeling the Big Ten Tournament as a whole this year. You won it a couple years ago, that was enough for me, got it done. This season is all about making any sort of run in the NCAA Tournament. But as far as the regular season is concerned, here's the task in front of you. Win the next three. In doing so, you would get yourself to 21-9. and 
facing a likely, let's say, loss at Purdue to finish the regular season 21-10. and 10. Your marquee wins from the non-conference stay with you, UCLA and Texas. You do have wins against Michigan State and Northwestern will be another quality win, believe it or not. You have road wins against Wisconsin. Uh, oh, well, no, Rutgers. I guess that's another quality win. You got a road win against Wisconsin who will somehow, some way, they're like the last four in. I, ca- I can't believe it myself, but great guard might find his way in the tournament, bad as they are this year. So you have an opportunity here. Northwestern gives you a quality win. Ohio State and Michigan do not. You cannot lose those games. You just cannot. And then Purdue which would be a marquee win for sure and probably bump you up to like a five seed maybe, which sounds crazy, but the NCAA tournament committee, they love late season success and that would be a monster win against a one seed or likely one seed. Northwestern, as Ken Palm projects that game, right now you were you were winning that game by five, according to the analytics, 71 to 66. Ken Palm has bumped Illinois down a little bit. So no longer is Illinois in the top 25, they're around 30. And as far as nationally, their defense is 50th and their uh, offense is 50th and their defense is 30th. So not bad, but not great. And deservedly just outside the top 25 in both the polls and also in Ken Palm. Northwestern, according to Ken Palm, the 42nd best team in the country. Ohio State, after that, you were projected to win on the road. They give you a 51% shot against 64th ranked Ohio State. But what they do not factor in on Ken Palm is the mental component. And Ohio State, if I've ever seen a team look like they've quit, it's this Ohio State team. You lose that game, I got major problems. I shouldn't find myself getting pissed about this team. That game would do it. Michigan home, you got to win. And actually, Ken Palm projects you to win that. They actually think Michigan is worse than Northwestern. And that would make sense, given the resumes of both teams. They think Michigan's the 49th best team in the country. They have you winning by six at home. So Ken Palm has you winning the next three. I have them winning the next three. If they don't win the next three, I don't know. I, I don't feel great. Not that I would feel great even if they win the next three, but at least I'd feel like they've sort of settled on a floor. Now, Thursday night is massive, and I think you're actually getting Northwestern at a good time, which sounds a little bit counterintuitive, because they won three in a row. Well, excuse me, they won five in a row, but three really big home games. Purdue, Indiana, monster home wins. And then Iowa, they beat by 20. So you would think, well, why is this a good time to play them? Because, man, they got to slow down a little bit, right? I know they're peaking, but there are just off nights that happen in Northwestern, I don't think, is a team good enough to overcome all of that. Now, Boo Booey and Chase Adige are having pretty darn good years. Ty Berry, no pushover. Robbie Barron, a pretty good big guy for them as well. You know, they have a decent starting five, to say the least, but I really think their lack of depth is something you could play on here. If you can somehow instill your pace, that's what makes the Iowa result all the more surprising, beating them 80-60. to But if I'm being quite honest about Iowa, I don't know how good they are. And I think our loss up there a couple weeks ago, we we should regret that. Not Indiana so much, but at Iowa, you should have won that damn game. And alas, you did not. So I don't know what to make of this Big Ten. It's a muddled mess. Eight teams are projected to make the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten. You're right smack dab in the middle of it. Maryland probably going to get a six seed the way they're playing. They've started to play really good ball again. Michigan State probably a seven, eight, or nine somewhere in that vicinity. Purdue getting a one. Northwestern maybe working their way up to a five, but more likely a six. There's going to be some very happy 11 seed when they get that matchup. 
and Indiana, probably a four seed. And they seem to be solidifying that in a big game tonight against Michigan State on the road and what will be a very emotional game, of course, for the Spartans. So, gosh darn it, you know, what makes this frustrating is had you beaten Iowa and Indiana, you're a five seed. You are. And it all depends on matchups. Maybe there is going to ultimately be a more favorable two seed matchup than if you would have gotten a five and faced a four in the second round. But you want to, at all costs, stay away from the elite teams. And while I don't think there are many, the ones and the twos in this tournament are still pretty damn good. You're looking at playing the likes of, let's say, a Baylor. Baylor is really good, and you can beat them, but it will take everything you got. A four seed, I don't know if I would say the same thing. The likes of an Indiana quality team, you could beat them on a neutral site, right? We'll get to that when we get to it. I, I just feel like this season so far, just a lack of momentum, missed opportunities, not bad, not great, probably just good. And it's interesting how the difference between this year getting a seven seed, let's say, and how in Brad Underwood's third season, they likely would have been a seven seed had the tournament been played before COVID hit, right? We would have loved it. We were ecstatic. We thought we're really dangerous. I thought that team was dangerous. This team, I don't know how dangerous they are, but this is certainly an NCAA basketball climate where parity reigns. And you do have a couple of guys that when they're at their best are NBA talents. Matthew Meyer at his best NBA talent for sure. And as a shooter, he will find his way onto a roster and he'll just kind of bounce around the NBA for 10 years. I think Coleman's had two really good games in a row. This leads me to Terrence Shannon. He's been out two games. I'm not going to do the addition by subtraction thing. But to me, I have seen this team play with a different kind of vigor the last two games with Terrence Shannon not playing. I don't know if there's any connection at all. They might have decided to do that if Terrence was in the lineup on Saturday. And it's arguable that if Terrence were in the lineup instead of RJ Saturday, you would have gotten the win somehow, some way. But I have to be honest. I'm enjoying the group that's out there right now. And if you tell me Thursday Terrence is not playing, I still take our chances with the guys that are playing and, and feel pretty good that Illinois can get the win against Northwestern, as good as Northwestern's playing. So when Terrence does come back, I don't view him as someone that is going to kind of mess up or disrupt the apple cart here, but... There's been something lacking, and it's the intangible quality, and I could say that for a lot of the guys on this team. I don't think there's a lot of killers, per se, on this team, guys that really, at the end of the game, are going to be out there uh, getting it done. I like that Jaden Epps wants to be that guy. I think that Meyer, uh, there's been two opportunities, Iowa and Indiana. They tried to drop the game winner for him against Indiana. They defended it perfectly. Iowa probably should have been Meyer instead of Epps taking that shot. And then Terrence Shannon... I don't know. I, I just, I'm not really sure when we look back on the Terrence Shannon Jr. experience what we're going to remember. The UCLA game, that was game four. There's been a couple big games for him as far as points scored. The Indiana game at home, he scored a lot of points, but he also gave up a lot of points. If there were a plus minus chart for the season on Terrence Shannon Jr., I get the feeling that as time has went on, that's gotten steadily worse. And I, I wish I could have analytics right in front of you right now that would bear that out because Ken Palm loves him. He is offensively a pretty efficient player because of how often he gets to the line. And I know that there was someone on Twitter, and your name escapes me, but and I apologize for this. I wish I could give you attribution, but said that in an NCAA tournament game, that might bear out well for Illinois because if it gets called differently and Terrence can get to the line a lot, that could be something that helps you get 
further and further into the tournament, Sweet 16 or beyond. Here's my point. Terrence Shannon, I think, ultimately makes you a better team. However, the way that he has been playing recently, I don't feel like it is a detrimental loss. When we heard this before the Indiana game, I didn't think, oh, now we're screwed. And for a guy averaging 17 points a game, wouldn't you think that would be your reaction? Oh, we're screwed. Our leading score is out. Instead, I thought, oh, what the hell? Let's see what the rest of the fellas can do. So it's a big stretch, right? I think it's a big stretch for how we feel and look back on this season. 21 and 10 is pretty good. Uh, It's not as good as I thought they were going to be when they beat UCLA and Texas, or any of us for that matter. And this season will always have that tinge of, ugh, they were fine, but I think they should have been better. But 21 and 10, when I'm looking at the likes of Wisconsin sucking out loud, and I'm looking at Chris Holtman getting his job called for by Buckeye fans and thinking, you could do worse than Brad Underwood. And I I think if there's one thing I've tried to harp on, just so I'm clear about it, I think Brad Underwood is the long-term fix here. I think he is the long-term guy. I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter about this, and and they are not at all a fan of Brad Underwood's in-game coaching. And I can understand that because there were individual things that Indiana game, specifically RJ even being out there in the last 20 seconds, that made me question that, right? Um, But... Overall, in terms of the health of the program, I think that he's your guy. And the final point I want to make before I get to these uh, tweets and get to the YouTube chat feed for those that are in there, I do think that with Brad Underwood, and gosh darn it, I just lose my train of thought here. This doesn't really happen much here. Okay, with Brad Underwood, here's what, here's what the point was. God, you see, this is what happens when you first day back at school. Mondays are usually tough. Today's basically Monday. My point was that With this roster, me and Brian have talked about it. You've probably felt it. It has been difficult to find that emotional connection to them. There's enough new faces. There's enough of the transfer portal kind of stuff where, and also just some of their personalities. You don't really find yourself being endeared to this team as a collection of dudes like you were, let's say, the team two years ago or even last year because you still had Trent and DeMonte and Kofi. These fixtures, right? Well, I get the feeling this year could be the aberration in that because the continuity should be there in the roster next year. You should have your freshmen all intact. Jaden, Sincere, Ty. Sky, of course, he's gone. That sucks, but hopefully Brad Underwood and his staff learn from that mistake. Dane Danger. Those are four guys right there, technically all freshmen. You get Luke Goody, and I would presume RJ back as well. That's six. Coleman Hawkins, I'm going to be watching out for because he does have another year of eligibility if he wants it. He's still projected to be like early, mid-second round. Some would say as high as the late first round. He might want to take that leap, but if you were to say, after all the criticism I've levied against Coleman this year, would you want him back? I actually think that would work very well on that kind of team. I think there's been a weird kind of disconnect here for Coleman, thinking he was going to be alpha dog, and then you get Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon both in here. I think Coleman finally is settling into this, I can facilitate a little bit, but I can also go get mine. And that's been my thing with Coleman. Go get yours. Go get it. You're too good not to do that. So I think that the feelings we have now, the sort of unfulfilled lack of emotion towards this team, I think that stabilizes next year. 
and we start to feel more like a program. And when it comes to transfers, they become more supplemental and not necessarily, okay, we need to go get a superstar since we just lost Kofi or somebody. No, it feels like now you got a core that you can build around. I think that will change our complexion next year. I think it'll be a little more fun and a little more emotionally investing. Okay, I uh, want to check here on the YouTube thread. Bobo mentions the 25th ranked Illini women. I would be remiss if I did not mention that. They're killing it. 20 wins already. Shauna Green should get National Coach of the Year consideration. I don't know if she'll win it, but certainly consideration for how bad that program was, and here she is immediately having this kind of impact. Pretty incredible. Jacob asks, of the next four games, which do you want to win the most? Easy Jacob, Michigan, didn't even have to think about that. I mean, Northwestern, I hate Northwestern. Ohio State's kind of a nuisance, but whatever. It's Michigan. And I think the other way to think of that, Jacob, is which one do I would I hate losing the most? It's Michigan. It's Hunter Dickinson. It's Jawan Howard. It's, you know, even Saturday nights. My wife is a Michigan State grad. Last week was kind of weird, of course, with everything that happened out there. She was going home anyway to visit her family and uh, noticed that... You know, she's watching that game. She even gets a bit of a soft spot spot for Michigan fans that were, I hate to use this word, but classy in the way that they handled the uh, post-trauma um, thing by kind of honoring the victims and all that. They did, a, they did a great job with that. And kudos to the Orange Crush yesterday. I don't know if the athletic department made those shirts for them, but just a nice gesture of solidarity for another Big Ten school. But as I'm watching the tail end of that Michigan-Michigan State game, I'm thinking, oh, God, if Michigan backs the way in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to vomit. I want Juwan to be just good enough where they got to sweat and they can't really fire him because he's an alum. They are in a weird spot, and that's what you get sometimes for hiring a Michigan man. I don't want to lose to them. I want to beat them. That would be, as, as mediocre as they are this year, that would still be a sweet win. This is from Bobo. Back to the Atlanta women's team. I'm more excited for the women's team right now than the men. Well, Bobo, imagine this. I can't pretend like I'm a big Atlanta women's basketball fan, but they got a tournament game. I'm watching it. And I think most Illini fans would tune in out of interest to see, okay, wow, first tournament since, was it 07 or 08? Maybe even before that. I know they had a 21 season in 07 or 08. And the stars are aligning here. I mean, they have Terrence, Teresa Grants. They gave her recognition on Sunday. They got a big win against Penn State, smoked them by like 17 points. They're healthy again. And it will be something to tune into. And if they're making shots, they can beat a lot of teams. So... What can you say? Year one. Year one for Shauna Green. It's pretty incredible. One more thing from Jacob here. Terrence Shanna has one more year if he wants it. I mean, this is, is he going to get drafted? Yeah, second round. But he would have to, at his size, be a 3 and D guy, right? He's not a point guard. So he has to be at 6'6", a 3 and D guy. Well, he's not making threes and he's not playing D. Help me out here. I mean, for the leading scorer on the team, I don't know the last time there's a leading scorer on an Illini basketball team that I felt less good about than Terrence Shannon Jr. And if that sounds rough, I apologize, but I just think there's too much talent there to be this ineffective. And I think that's what he's been the last couple months. Just not, certainly not going to make any All-Big Ten team. Honorable mention? This was a guy that in the first month and a half of the season, we were talking Big Ten, all Big Ten first team. And he's played himself right out of those teams. So the 17 points is kind of inflated. I think he was as much as like 22 points back in December. It's faded. 
So this is from Bobo. The newest Bleacher Report NBA mock draft has Hawkins going 47, Shannon 48. Hawkins, because of the measurables, I think will get a spot no matter what. Shannon's going to go, I think, and whatever. I, it sounds like I'm down on the kid, but it's just, I, I think it is the frustration that some of you all have alluded to in, in Twitter conversations and on the YouTube feed. I, I don't know the guy. He seems nice. He's kind of like passing through. And you see all this promise and then thud. Yeah, just kind of um, annoying. The circumstances of it are annoying. Not the kid himself. I say kid, he's 22 years old. But not the young man himself, just the circumstances of getting this prize transfer. And it's not as if our expectations were wild for him. He's just not been that good in Big Ten play. And you could point me to the the occasional 17, 18-point game in the last couple months. But that really doesn't tell the full story. So I've harped on that enough. I'm, I want to get here to the mailbag, so to speak, on Twitter and uh, see what y'all were thinking. I just said, hey, any questions or comments that you guys had after watching last night's game and as we get into the home stretch of this season. So first, let me get to my old Twitter profile. Okay, here we go. Going to kind of work my way down here. This is from Donald. I still think this team will make a run. They have the talent for a March run where matchups actually matter. The last two NCAA teams were Big Ten dominant good, but ran into buzzsaws because of the matchups. This year, we have skill at all five positions, and we can match up with our length. Donald, I agree. And that's why I think time and time again, even Brian Butch said last night, good old Brian Butch, you don't want to be the team that faces Illinois in the NCAA tournament. Well, maybe. Depends on what Illinois team you get. If you give that Illinois team for 20 minutes or 30 or in the last couple games, mostly for 40. I think the team we've seen the last couple games can win two NCAA tournament games. I do. But short of that, if they start going, uh, start playing some dumb basketball again, it could end in the first game. And I think we need to remember that it has not exactly been easy with Brad Underwood so far in limited experience in the NCAA tournament. This is from Evan. I like this perspective. We need to just enjoy this team for what they are. I feel like the last two years since the Loyola loss, we as fans, myself included, just watch every game tense and frustrated. Evan, that was me last year. Less so this year, but I've had my moments. Hasn't been a couple a couple months maybe since I mentioned the Loyola game. I mean, that's the skeleton in the closet. That's been looming there. It really hurt. It, it hurt the fan psyche, whatever you want to call it. And I think it does have an impact on how we view this. There's this added urgency because that team did not make an NCAA tournament run. If that team had won that game, we know what likely would have happened. Oklahoma State and Oregon State were in their way. Oklahoma State might have been tough, but I think they get the win. And then they go to the Final Four. And whether or not they would have won it would not have mattered. That would have been a remarkable capper to a remarkable season otherwise. But the way it ends is always going to be that sour taste in your mouth. And what happens, Evan, is that kind of... I have never experienced an NCAA disappointment like that. Elite Eight against Arizona, it sucked. But you lost to a team with six NBA players and the rest were against you. It was a different kind of painful, right? But that team still won the Big Ten regular season and they got a one seed and they got all the way to the Elite Eight. It felt like, gosh darn it, they, they still accomplished a lot. 
And then that team in 2021, it was you know not getting the regular season because of a technicality, winning the Big Ten tournament in emotional fashion, and then just laying an egg the next week. And it was over before it began. You mix in the fact that COVID, everyone was just freaking depressed. I mean, <laughs> they gave us so much enjoyment in a time where we needed it, and then thud. Oh, and then Adam Miller left, and then the coaches left. And that, that was a scary couple months, right? Those two months and the way that Underwood recovered actually kind of told me this guy knows what he's doing. But yeah, Evan, I think it's it's okay and valid to bring up the Loyola loss because that has an impact on how we feel and how we watch the games. For me, it doesn't have much of a bearing on this team. But yeah, it, it does have a win two games in the tournament, Brad. There is that urgency and... If your team's good enough to do it, by golly, just do it. I don't want to say it's easy to win two games in the tournament. We know that's not the case. But it shouldn't be that freaking hard. I give them the mulligan for Houston because that was just a crap matchup, and we knew it the minute that name was released on the brackets. And it might be on Selection Sunday we watch the brackets come out, and we actually feel pretty good about it. I don't know. But uh, the Loyola game, god dang it. Didn't you... Pit in the stomach. You just knew when that name popped up. Oh, here's the narrative. Don't get me started on Sister Jean. Don't do it. I'm sure she's a nice lady. All right, this is from Dave. Quick water here. Oh, yeah. There we go. He says, I feel like Underwood's trying to re-recruit RJ by starting him over Ty and Goody. I agree, Dave. This is intentional. There is no logical reason to start RJ. So this is an emotional plea Hey, kid, I got your back. Gain some confidence. I'm going to keep trotting you out there because I believe in you. And I think coupled with the reaction that he got with the three last night, I mean, there are moments that can maybe change the course of, God, this sounds really, I'm not going to say the course of someone's life, but the course of someone's basketball career in this case. I hope that gets RJ going, even just a little bit. We don't need him scoring 10 and rebounding 10 a game, but he can still provide something. And I do think that I'd rather him be on the team next year than not. I would. I think there's something he offers. So that is, I agree, Dave, Underwood trying to re-recruit him. Say, I got your back. I want you here, despite how bad you're playing. And and that counts for something. Uh, This is from Ethan. And we did, Ethan. We mentioned this uh, earlier from Bobo. He mentioned how just... Crazy the Assembly Hall or State Farm Center got last night. The way that Ethan puts it, you know, the three last night blew the roof off the Assembly Hall. And and that's cool. If there was a moment, I would have, it was almost worth the price of admission, right? If I would have been there, that would have been such a feel-good moment. And what I love about it, if you watch the video, the clip of that, after the three-pointer, he gets back down, the crowd's going nuts, and he gives this sort of like, raises his arms, like pump up. But it's almost also like, it felt like he was just sort of releasing the weight off his shoulders. It was an acknowledgement of, my God, I needed that. Thank you for not booing me. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'll be honest. The one time I, I, I let out a boo, I was with my niece at the Indiana game, the home game. And it was like the third or fourth missed block out on a free throw. And I, I had this boo. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, why am I doing that? Now, I wouldn't boo a kid at, at a game. I say kid, young man, whatever you want to say. And uh, yeah, I, I do think, Ethan, that there is a potential long-term impact of that. I don't want to oversell it. I also don't want to undersell it. And it was a moment. 
Evans says that uh, Brad Evans was on Jeremy's pod. I need to listen to this because Brad Evans did a, did a bracketology there. And he mentioned that the seventh seed line will probably be more favorable for Illinois than the five or six, meaning that he likes apparently the projected twos and the tens. I could see that. To give you an example, Missouri is a projected 10. And I know that didn't go well for us in December, but if you got another crack at them, would you feel that bad? I don't know if they're even going to put us in the same region. I did see one today from Mike DeCourcy that had Arkansas. And they scare you a bit. They've been kind of up and down themselves this year. But you know what? You are not in a position right now, the way you played this year, to get any gimmies. I mean, in this NCAA tournament, unless you got a one, two, or three seed, there aren't really any gimmies. So, uh, yeah, take your chances. And I, I think that's an interesting point, Evan. Thanks for bringing that up. And I'll have to listen to that Brad Evans pod because he's, he's the goods. All right, this is from Jay. As much a bigger fan of Illini football, I can say whatever they do, I've already had a great year. But with that said, I miss having players I actually felt connected to. And Jay, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I do think that changes next year. I think the the increased continuity, the core coming back will make it a little bit... It'll feel more like your typical Illini basketball. We got a program. We got guys to root for. This is certainly a transitional year in that front. This is from Jalen Glows. And Jalen, you've told me... Jalen Glows. There we go. I think he gave me the pronunciation. He's got a few here. One... Would you want to see another year from Coleman Hawkins, or do you think it's pretty clear he'll be gone after this year? And I mentioned this earlier, but you know, I do want him back if he wants to come back because I think that his role on a team like next year would make more sense. I think he would, just the sort of uh, manic almost style with which he plays, I think that lends itself well to that. I, I hope that as the season concludes from now until hopefully late March, he continues to be aggressive offensively. I think that's such a difference. The dunks, shoot the shoot the catch and shoot threes, please. Even if you make one out of three, he is too much of a potential weapon to not try those shots, to not try to get to the rim. I'm seeing more of that, and that was what was driving me nuts. Him trying to be overly a facilitator, leading to turnovers. He's played pretty clean ball for the last few games. So I'm, I'm excited about how he's playing. And if you think about it, last year, this is about the time that he started playing really good as well. One more from Jalen Glows. Uh, rate these teams in level of hate. Iowa, Michigan, Northwestern, Indiana, other. Well, Missouri, I'm going to keep off of it because that rivalry, unfortunately, the Brad Underwood era has sucked. And if there's one gripe I have about Underwood... Not, not not one. It's the NCAA tournament lack of success. And how that rivalry game that you should have won five in a row. I mean, I'm sorry. You should have. Or four in a row. And you've only won one out of the last three. One out of the last four, really. So I'm not going to include Missouri. I'll stick to Big Ten teams. Northwestern's annoying, but I don't hate them. I don't hate Chris Collins. I hate Northwestern. The idea of Northwestern more than that. So whatever. I mean, if you lose to them Thursday, I'll be annoyed. But I don't have a vitriol towards them like other schools. And I don't think I ever will. They bother me for their hoity-toitiness, but uh, no, I, I'd like to think we're bigger and better than them, and history would suggest that, yes, we are. January 4th, when we played them, that was not the case. So that leaves, what, Iowa, Michigan, Indiana? You know, Indiana, not so, not so much anymore. I, of course, remember the Bob Knight era. I was not there for the 80s when it was particularly heated, and... 
probably Indiana at that point was more hated than Iowa before the Deion Thomas thing. So I, I am on the other side of that Mason Dixon line here where my earliest memories of who we hated were Iowa. And there was that brief lull in the, let's see, Todd Licklider, early Fran McCaffrey era where either they sucked or we sucked. But now that we're both pretty good again, that's the rivalry. That's the one. Michigan is situational. It depends on who they got. I didn't hate Michigan at all when John Beeline was there. I didn't. I liked them. I liked John Beeline. I liked the program he ran. And I thought that it was the best. Pro- and I think the numbers bear that out. It was the best program in the Big Ten for damn near a decade. They get Juwan Howard. They think they're just going to cruise. And I was a little bit worried that he was just going to get a bunch of blue chippers. And didn't matter how good of a coach he was. He was just going to succeed based on that. I think he's a terrible coach. Uh, and from what I can gather from uh, sources that know much more about coaching, he is. He's kind of, you know, his reputation is this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So it was disappointing on Saturday to see Michigan State kind of fold late like they did. And it's annoying just how Michigan, you know, they're kind of still in the NCAA tournament conversation. If they go on a heater here, though their schedule is a beast. And if I were to go to Ken Palm real quick and check out what they're projected to do, Oh, let's see here. God, where is Michigan at? I mean, they're 15 and 12. Uh, They have them. They got Rutgers away. They got to lose that, right? Wisconsin at home, they'll win that. At Illinois, at Indiana. So, I mean, come on. They got to lose three of the next four. That would put them at 16 and 15. That's no tournament team. I mean, keep in mind, they lost to Central Michigan. Should have lost to Eastern Michigan as well. Damn it. Imani Bates had them on the precipice of winning that game. Hunter Dickinson's just a dweeb. You know, he's plateaued. He hasn't gotten any better. This is why I don't hate Indiana as much, because I look at Trace Jackson Davis. How can I not like a kid that clearly worked his ass off to get as good as he is? He's an All-American. He's dominant. We held him you know, relatively under control for most of that game, it felt like, and then I checked the box score, he's got 26. A quiet 26, you want to say. And I I will say that his tweet afterwards about Coleman Hawkins getting a T, that, I grew a lot of respect for him. You know, the guy's a competitor, he doesn't always look it, but damn, this year he's a killer. And I, I can't hate that. I don't hate Mike Woodson. I hate, again, the idea of Indiana and their whole shtick, but it is... Probably by you know the record books, it is a blue blood in its own right. So they got a good team this year. They're, they are, they're coming together at the right time. Would have liked that win on Saturday, though, because that would have been a really high-quality win. But Michigan, that's my answer. That's my long-winded way of saying it's Michigan and Iowa. Um, Iowa long-term, Michigan as long as Jawan Howard is there. One more here from Dave. How refreshing is it that the Illini will go into the tournament without heavy pressure on their shoulders? Seems like the last few years were exhausting for players and fans. Going in as a 6-10 to 10 seed with nothing to lose may be the best thing for them. And let's end on this, Dave. I think that is what we can hold on to as we go through the rest of the season. The, the immediate thing to do, win the next three. I think they will. If they don't, we got problems. Uh, if they do, we should feel pretty good about the six. Worst case, seven seed. Not bad, right? And that you do go in the NCAA tournament with the, uh, what the hell? To give you an example, I mean, this is where I think some of you have mentioned the lack of emotional investment 
And I've went back and forth on whether that's a good or bad thing. Of course, I'd rather be more emotionally invested. And I could even look at the podcast numbers and tell you it ain't the same as it was two years ago um, after, let's say, after a win, right? It's still right up there with a lot of them. But there were these certain signature moments like the, uh, oh, shoot, during that great run. The, the three-game stretch, take, for instance, two years ago where they won at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Ohio State. That run in the Big Ten tournament. Crazy. Now, that was a run that we aren't going to see every year, but that was momentum building. We haven't built that momentum. So the peak of that year, we haven't reached that this year with you know a post-game victory podcast or something like that. I think that speaks to everyone is a little more detached. And that bodes, hey, for our hearts, for our tickers, I think that bodes well for the NCAA tournament coming up. And yeah, I, I will totally take a what-the-hell approach. And I'll be anxious to see the matchups come out. And to be honest, I'm not going to read too much in the matchups because this team's just kind of weird. And if they put everything together, of course they can be in the Sweet 16. If they don't, they can lose in the first round. And that's just kind of it. And nothing between now and then will change that. The only thing they can do, I think, is solidify a solid regular season at 21-10 and 10 by winning the next three. To me, that's step one. Step two... If you're into the Big Ten tournament this year, hey, when it starts, I'll, I'll be thinking, yeah, what the hell? Let's win some games. Chances are, though, you're going to start on Thursday unless you get some help from above you. And that means winning it, I don't know. And then if you also think of it another way, do you really want to win it? You already got the banner from two years ago. And then you lost to Loyola. We would have so easily, I mean, I'll ask you this. And YouTube feed, for those that are here, let me know if you agree or not. Would you have traded that Big Ten tournament title if you beat Loyola? And I need to th- I need to probably give you a, like a certain number of games they would have went on to win that tournament. If I gave you Final Four, that'd be too easy of an answer. But let's say if I take away the Big Ten tournament title, you lose in overtime to Ohio State, but you beat Loyola and you get to the Elite Eight and lose to whoever. Would you trade that? You don't get a banner for the Elite Eight. I wanted something so badly, uh, a tangible banner to raise for that team, and we got that. But I almost wonder if the Loyola, the damage, the lasting damage from that didn't do more harm than good, right? So, um, yeah, we sit here. It's kind of weird. There's a deja vu sense with these podcasts, and I hope it has become too repetitive for the listener, but I think we're all in this holding pattern. Not winning against Indiana felt like, gosh darn it, that could have been a big moment. You didn't take it. Iowa, same thing. The next three games, you aren't going to have a big moment because none of the teams are good enough to really get a big moment, but it starts with Northwestern. You got to beat them. You got to beat Ohio State and you got to beat Michigan. And you do those and I think we feel pretty good and have a what the hell moment against Purdue and then ultimately what the hell NCAA tournament. This is from Evan. Yes, you would trade it, Evan, because we should have been conference outright champions anyway. Yeah, I think ultimately I make that trade too because the lasting damage of the Loyola game, we're still feeling it. It would have taken some pressure off even if they would have lost in the Elite Eight. It would have been a bummer, but there wouldn't be these questions, or as many, I should say, about Brad Underwood's ability in March. I think he's still the guy, but until they get to the second weekend, that's the narrative. And we could say fair or not, but I ultimately think, yeah, This is year six. It becomes fair game. All right, so here's what we'll do. 
Thursday, we will be back for a live podcast. I think the game's at 7.30, so we'll do like 8.30. It's a big one. And I don't know the last time I've been this excited for an Illinois Northwestern game. It is another show-me opportunity for Illinois. They're at home. They're more talented. They are. But Northwestern is playing their butts off. So you've got to want it. And in that regard, I like the intangible way that Illinois is playing this game in the last couple games against Indiana and Minnesota. I think if they play that way, they get a win. And Terrence Shannon or not. We'll be back Sunday as well. For an early game, a brunch club edition during Ohio State and Illinois. That's an 11 a.m. game, so right around noon. And then, oh, it's at 8. God dang. I sound like such an old man. I don't want to be one of those that says, uh, why 8 o'clock? But it is what it is. And then, hey, it's only Friday. It's just getting up so early for school. I'm like, okay, how can I get my seven hours of sleep? And if it's a big win, I'm not going to sleep right away. So, But hey, uh, this is what they call first world problems. Next week, we have a game against Michigan, of course, on Thursday. Uh, maybe before that, we'll try to get a podcast, depending on how these next two games go. But we'll be around for sure. And yeah, we're, let's just get to the tournament. Can we get to the tournament? We're, we're waiting. It's a holding pattern. But first things first, win the next three. All right, YouTube viewers, thanks for tuning in on this kind of weird early time on a Wednesday. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, for supporting the pod. And for the listeners at home or in your car, wherever you get the podcast, got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana at dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. They have a great deal going on right now where you, if you get a Lennox Home Comfort System, you get a choice between a $500 Visa gift card or a free water heater. That is a, a crazy deal from Cody and the guys at Dogtown Heating and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. And finally, Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. For Champagne Showers, Podcast Network, and for you, the listener, we appreciate you. And we will be back Thursday night for a big one, Illinois Northwestern. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.